Open your Bibles, if you will, to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 4 and 5 as we talk about the victorious life of a Christian. 1 John 5, beginning with verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he? That overcometh the world, but he that believeth Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that terms like happiness and joy and peace and contentment, victory, are not always associated with Christianity. And of course, we understand. Why that is true? Because so many people misunderstand Christianity. They do not understand the principles upon which Christianity is built. They do not understand how that Christianity is really a way of life. And that there are blessings not only now, but in the life to come. Most people have sadly missed that point and maybe sometimes we don't always represent Christianity very well ourselves. And that's a problem for those of us who say we belong to Christ. But I'm sure, I'm sure when you study the Beatitudes, for example, in Matthew chapter 5, that as you consider what Jesus said concerning those who are happy, those who are blessed, right? That really doesn't make sense to a lot of people in our world even today how can people who mourn be really happy that's interesting isn't it or people who are meek when sometimes it's associated with weakness so many times so we're looking for happiness we're looking for contentment peace joy and victory and really everyone is looking for that we want to enjoy this life to the fullest. But it's where we find that peace and joy and victory that gives us the problems so many times. And so some look at it for, or some look for it in pleasure and nothing wrong with legitimate pleasure, right? Others look for it in money and of course we need money to get by. Nothing wrong with that necessarily, but it's the love of money that usually gets us into trouble, right? People, you know, want to have good health. Maybe that brings victory. All of us would love to have good health, no doubt about that. But I feel confident that God is happy when we are happy. That God would like for us to enjoy legitimate pleasure that he would like for us to prosper even financially. God certainly doesn't want us to suffer. He wants us to be in good health. But those of us who are Christians, we understand that living life victoriously has nothing to do with those things. That it doesn't have anything to do with financial prosperity. Living life victoriously does not have anything to do with one's health. Living life victoriously doesn't have anything to do with legitimate pleasure. 
You see, a Christian is blessed because he has this new perspective, doesn't he? A new perspective. He doesn't look at things like everybody else in the world sees things. He looks at things from God's perspective, from God's right uh, idea, right? Because that makes all the difference. That makes all the difference. Even when there is a raging storm taking place, if you will. It is true that the sun is still shining somewhere, shining above the clouds, even during that raging storm. And that is God's perspective on things. And so us as Christians, we really do have reason to be positive people. And we learn from the scriptures themselves how to live this victorious life that he has given us. Not just in prospect, as we look toward eternity, but even now. Jesus said something about an abundant life in John 10 and verse 10, when he said that I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly, right? That's very important. What was Jesus talking about? Was he talking about just financial prosperity? Was he talking about, you know, the idea of pleasures, right? Was he talking about good health when he says, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly? Did you know that all of us have to die? Hebrews 9.27 says, that, And it is appointed unto man once to die. Of course, then comes the judgment, right? But did you know you're not ready to live until you are ready to die? That's true. And so we're talking about living this victorious Christian life. And we're listening to the Lord who says that I am come, that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I don't know everything about you. You don't know everything about me, though we know each other very, very well, don't we? But one thing I do know about most of all of us, and I'm sure, and that is we want to end well. Did you hear that? We want to end well. When this life is over, we want to be able to say, I lived my life in accordance to God's word, and I ended well. Maybe that's what the wise man had in mind when he said that the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 1. So I want to end well, don't you? I'm sure you do. I want to know my life is counted for something. You know, most people probably would say that that's their desire. And I'm convinced that in Christ, my life really can mean something. That it really is the best life right now. And I have great assurance for my future. And so victory is the Christians tonight. And we understand that because salvation is ours even tonight. I want you to look at this wonderful passage in 1 John 5 and verse 4. It's one that you've heard so very often. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith, right? Now, you want to live life victoriously, and I know that you do, but you want to end well, and you want to, you would like to have blessings, abundance, right? You want to be content, you want to be happy, you want to have this joy, you want to have this peace, 
But look at this. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Now, how are we saved? By faith? Through a system of faith? That's how God has always saved man. Did you know that? I mean, because in Ephesians 2 and verses 8 and 9, he says, For by grace are you saved through faith, right? When has there ever been a time that God didn't save man except the salvation by grace through faith? Good question, isn't it? You can go back before the Christian dispensation. You can go back before the Mosaic dispensation. All the way back to the patriarchal age. And Noah was saved by grace through faith. You know that. You know that. That Noah was saved by grace. Because he found grace. That is favor. In the eyes of God. Genesis 6-8. No grace in the Old Testament. Someone says. Oh there was plenty of grace. In the Old Testament. Man wasn't destroyed after he sinned in the garden, was he? You see, God's grace stepped in on his behalf. So God was one who looked upon Noah, and he looked upon him graciously and kindly. Noah found grace in the eyes of God. In Hebrews 11 and verse 7, it says, But without faith, we know that Noah could not have been saved, for Noah was saved by faith. Oh, he was saved by faith and Noah was justified by faith and by faith he built that ark, didn't he? 300 cubits by 50 by 30. Now in Genesis 6 and verse 22, here's what's interesting. The text tells us, thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. So Noah was saved by grace through faith. Patriarchy, that's how man was saved. Mosaic dispensation is how man was saved. The Christian dispensation, that's how man is saved. And we know this is true, that all are saved through Christ Jesus. All those under the old covenant, for example, could not have been saved had there not been a redeemer to die. Had there not been Jesus who had come to this world and then died on that cross and shed his blood that would go back and wash away their sins having known that they kept that law under which they lived as perfectly as possible. And so there were those who lived faithful in the patriarchal age. There were those who lived in, under faithful in the Mosaic age who likewise we know will be in heaven and they will be saved because Jesus died on Calvary's cross. And so we are saved by faith, faith in Christ Jesus, and that faith is victorious, victorious living. Are you living that way tonight? For just a moment, let's think about that victorious life of the Christian that's based upon his faith. 1 John 5 and verse 4, notice again, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. That faith is victorious, number one, because it rests in God. Brethren, do you understand that? Our faith is victorious because it rests in God. Salvation is something more or something that comes to us from God. And I've said this many times, but God, that God took the initiative in saving us. 
You can go to some heathen lands today and you can still find people that are bowing down to idols of wood and stone. We might think that that's kind of silly, but they do that. Or, or people will make a god to the sun, to the earth, and to the, to the wind, right? To water. Now these people that do that, they're seeking for something. They're seeking for something. But did you know that the true God of the Bible is the one that they should be seeking? You see, the God of the Bible is the true God who came seeking after us. He took the initiative to be able to save us and restore us to a better life. So, for by grace are ye saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of meritorious works, but not something you earn, not of works, lest any man should boast. You read about the gospel in 1 Corinthians 1, that which is foolish to most people. You see, God saves us through the gospel. And not being saved through the gospel, it means that we don't have any right whatsoever to do what? That is the boast about it, right? You can't boast. You can't brag about your salvation. And by saying, I have done something to earn this from God. As if I'm saying that, that uh, I have put God in debt, Right? Or put myself in debt to God. But notice, God said, even when man had simply sinned in the garden, God said, I'll put enmity between thee and thy and the woman. That's what he said to the devil. Between thy seed and her seed, he shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. You see, there early on, God says, I will take the initiative to save mankind. I don't want man to be lost. Now God was still holy. He had to, to deal with sin. So understand this. If a person is going to go to heaven, it depends on God taking the initiative. Now it could be that God will overlook sin, but he can't do that or he ceases to be a holy God. Well, if God is not to overlook sin then what might have to happen? Well, maybe I'm going to have to earn that salvation. I'm going to have to work off my debt. What does the Bible make abundantly clear here? It cannot be done. It can't be done. Are there people tonight who are, quote, New Testament Christians trying to get to heaven that way? I believe so. I believe so. It's called working your way to heaven. But the problem with that is that it doesn't work. If you haven't heard anything else already, understand that you cannot earn your way for salvation. It doesn't work. That's not God's plan. And the person who is a member of the church of Christ who thinks that is just as much in error as the one who espouses a doctrine in the denominational world of faith only, right? So we're not working our way to get to heaven. Now, Let's think about salvation being something that comes to us from God. He took the initiative. And if he's not going to overlook our sin, and I can't work to pay off the debt, and I can't do in any way to earn or put God in debt to me, what must God do if we're going to be saved? Well, God's got to forgive. He's got to forgive it. That's the only way that man can be saved. 
And that is for God to forgive the debt called sin. Now, with that in mind, go to the book of Romans where Paul talks about this. And look in Romans chapter 5. He begins this very marvelous chapter by saying, Therefore, being justified by faith, and sometimes faith is used as a part of a whole, being justified by faith or a system of faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we also have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. But then notice verse 6. He says, For when we were yet without strength in due time, in other words, at the right time, that's God's appointed time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, now now that he has died for us, now that we are justified by his blood, he says, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Does God get angry about sin? Yes. But at the same time, he wants to save us. Will he overlook sin? No. No. Can we work it off? The debt that we owe? No. So what happens? That sin must be forgiven. We are justified by what? Justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. When a person is justified, he appears before God as though he had never sinned in the first place. He is just if I'd had never sinned. Justified. Well, is he justified because God overlooked the sin? No. Is he justified because he somehow managed to work off the sin debt? No. He is justified because the Lord forgave him and forgave him through the only means that is available for forgiveness, and that is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 9. So much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son. That's God taking the initiative, isn't it? While we were enemies, verse 8, God commended his love toward us. While we were enemies, Christ died for us. Now we have been reconciled to God by what means? By God overlooking the sin? No. Right? By working off our debt? No. You see, by God overlooking the sin? No. Verse 10, but by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Now, I'm in better shape than I was before, right? So are you. That's right. Before you are so hard on yourself, remember that back when you were in sin, before your sins were ever forgiven, when you were an enemy of God, God took the the initiative to save you then. Paul said in verse 9, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. What a victorious life 
we have to live. And so the faith that is victorious is victorious because it rests in God. He started the whole process. Go to Romans chapter 4 and here we will find another patriarch. The great father of the faithful who was saved in this way. Look at verse 1 of Romans 4. What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh have found for if Abraham were justified by words he hath whereof to glory but not before God. Was Abraham justified by meritorious works that which originated in him? No, no. When he was justified, he was justified very early when he walked with God by faith. You see, God did not overlook his sin. And he could not have worked off his debts either. And it's not true that in order for him to gain the favor of God, that he had to wait until he finally got to Mount Moriah. No. No, he was living by faith long before that and thus justified by God. And so under the old covenant, even during the patriarchal age, salvation rested in God. And so working one's way to heaven to gain the favor of God or to merit one's salvation doesn't work at all. Doesn't work. And therefore we need to watch our language as a child of God that will say, well, I've never, I'll never make it to heaven. Well, probably not, if that's the what you're thinking. You still have not figured it out yet. Or that somebody says, you know, I haven't done enough to be able to get to heaven. Well, you probably haven't, because you will never be able to do enough to be able to get to heaven. Right? Or somebody might be looking around to somebody else and say, well, you know what? Compared to them, and how hard he works, well... Well, guess what? You still missed it. You still missed it. You can't do all that that person does. I have been told that by... why, why I've, I've been told that. Why some members of the church, as they get older, become so depressed is because of all of a sudden, they know that they can't do what they used to do. And, it, and really, it scares them. It is one thing to say... You know, I'm old and I've always been able to do so much in service and now I'm old and I can't do it. But you know, I long to do that again. That's okay. That's one thing. And I love to hear somebody say that. I appreciate that kind of heart. But I've seen members of the church before who absolutely were terrified. Oh, what is God going to think? Will I be able to go to heaven? I mean, if I'm not able to do what I used to do. You see, somewhere along life's path, that person never really understood salvation, the gift that comes from God. Did that person really ever come to know God in the first place? In a personal kind of way? There are so many that have been baptized into Christ that I'm afraid have never really been satisfied in their Christian lives. Why? Because their salvation rests with them and not with God. And so salvation rests with God because he took the initiative to save our soul. That demonstration was seen in Christ Jesus who died on the cross for us. Friends, it's in the cross that we find our salvation. 
justified by the blood that was shed at Calvary. And Romans chapter 5 makes it very clear. And we need to live victoriously with appreciation of what Jesus did. Friend, it's, it was about you and me working off the debt by somehow living a perfect life. Then all Jesus had to do was just come down and, and live and then go back to heaven, right? If that, I mean, if that was all that we had to do, it's just work off the debt. But that would not have made salvation possible, would it? Right? I mean, it would just have shown how terrible sin really is when you compare it to the life of absolute holiness and perfection. What did Jesus have, what did, what did Jesus have to do? Was not only to live that perfect life, but then to die for you and me. Shed his blood for you and me. We are saved through what? Through his death. Now, let's move on. You see, we live a victorious Christian life because we understand that faith rests in God. But this faith that is victorious is also when faith responds to God. Wait a minute. Here comes the contradiction. Oh, well, you, you said this, that faith rests in God. You talked about his part in all of this. But now you're saying that the victorious life of the Christian is one where the faith responds to God? This is no contradiction at all. Not in any way. But many religious people think that it's a contradiction all because they never really understood it. But, here, it, but it's all here in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. You know, this is a verse that they use a lot towards us. In Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. What is faith? Well, but faith is man's response to God. That's right. God wants to save me. God sent his son to die on my behalf. Salvation is now possible. But I must reach out in faith. You see, God saves by his grace. But we have to reach out in faith. And so faith is man's response to grace. It is in taking God's word or taking God at his word. It is compliance with his divine will. Now, wait a minute. If you start talking about com compliance with divine will, then you're talking about working, and that means earning. Oh, no. Oh, no. That does not mean that. Let, let's look at the Old Testament example, the same one we talked about just a minute ago of Abraham. He's the same one to whom we look when we learn that we don't work our way to heaven. He's also the same one we look to show how we do work in order to be forgiven of our sins. Did you notice the difference there? Look at James 2, if you will. James chapter 2, and we'll begin with verse 20. James 2, verse 20. But wilt thou, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Right? It's dead. But was, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou hast faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, 
and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Now what did Abraham do? Was Abraham saved before he offered Isaac or not? Yes. If Abraham had died of a heart attack on his way to Mount Moriah, he would have died right with God, wouldn't he? Yes. And he could have, by the way, when you think about it, what was he going to do? But you see, his faith in God, which caused him to be right with God, led him each step of that way. His faith rested in God, but his faith complied with the will of God. Now, did he earn anything when he went up to Mount Moriah? No, he didn't earn anything. But you did comply with the terms of God's will, right? Because if when you were baptized, did you earn anything when you were baptized? No. But when you did comply with the terms of God's will and by so doing, you appropriated the marvelous blessings that are only found in Christ Jesus. You didn't earn anything. But you appropriated the blood of Christ because you did what God said to do in order to obtain the forgiveness of sin. Right? And so he's not saying in James chapter 2 that through works that you may obtain your salvation, but that rather you put yourself in a position in order to enjoy the blessings of salvation. That's it. Now responding to God's will positively, responding to God's will positively allows you and me to live in victory, doesn't it? Here's the good news. Why we ever need to be aware of what the scriptures teach, of how we should conduct our lives, how we live our lives, what our responsibilities are, how we ever need to be alerted of why that when we are not in compliance with the will of God, that God never intended for us to live life with dread, but that rather he intended for us to live life with confidence because of our salvation, which we have through faith. It is the victory that overcomes the world that rests in God. I know it does. This faith is one which responds to God and together both can provide a great victory. And then here's the third point. This faith that is victorious is victorious because it is rewarded by God. That's right. Faith rests in God. Our faith responds to God. And then number three, it is rewarded by God. Look at Hebrews 10 and verse 35, which really Hebrews 10, 35 to 39 is the end of the chapter. But it serves as an introduction to Hebrews 11. All right. Now, Hebrews 10 and verse 35, right? Now notice, notice here. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. Oh, well, I'll never make it to heaven. I'm not sure I'm saved. I haven't done enough. I don't, I don't, know, I, I, I don't know enough compared to this man. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. Where does your, race, your faith rest? In God. A faith that is compliance with his divine will. And he says, cast not away, therefore, 
your confidence with hath great recompense of reward for ye have need of patience that after ye have done the will of God ye might receive the promise for yet a little while and he that shall come with me that he that shall come will come and will not tarry now the just shall live by faith but if any man draw back my soul shall have no pleasure in him but we are not of them who drew Draw back into perdition, but of them that, what? Believing to the saving of the soul. Now, Hebrews 11 opens up. Here they are. A great, great chapter. A great chapter of faith. The heroes of faith that are listed for us in that chapter. I'll tell you something. That didn't always, they, they, they didn't always prosper financially. They didn't. They didn't always have the best of health. They didn't for sure enjoy the pleasures that we can enjoy. And yet Hebrews 11 makes it clear that they lived in what? Victory. They lived in victory. Why? Their faith rested in God. They saw God as a source of salvation. They know God took the initiative to save their souls. Right? But their faith responded to God and they lived like this. Our faith will be rewarded by God. And so in Hebrews 11 and verse 8, notice he says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. He's living a victorious life. His faith rests in God. And now his faith will respond to God. You see, when God says go out, he goes out. Even though he didn't know where he was going. Look at verse 9, Hebrews 11. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For, here's why, here's why they lived a victorious life. Understand that. For, for know what it is there for. Look at it. For he looked for a city which hath foundation, whose builder and maker is God. Concerning these heroes of faith, verse 13 says that these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country and truly if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have an opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is heavenly. Wherefore God is ashamed to be called, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, right? For he had prepared for them a city. Hebrews 11, that great Hall of Fame of Faith shows that these Old Testament characters show us how to live a victorious life, don't they? And if they could do it on the right, on the, really on the other side of the cross, surely we can do it on this side of the cross, right? And we do it the same way. That faith that overcomes the world is a victorious faith. 1 John 5, 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world. Here it is. Even our faith. That faith rests in God. That faith responds 
to God. And that faith is rewarded by God. And when you know that, that changes you completely. You live life victoriously. I might be talking to someone tonight that's never rendered obedience to the gospel of Christ. And I want you to know that you can know this, having listened to this Facebook Live, that when my time with you has ended, that in order for us to live life victoriously, that our faith needs to rest in God himself. Where God took the initiative to save us by sending his son to this earth. That Christ Jesus, our Savior, went to the cross and died for us. And his blood was shed for us. And when we repent of those sins, and we make that good confession of the sweet name of Jesus, that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, we can know his blood will forgive us of our sins as soon as we go down into the waters of baptism to die to sin, being buried in that watery grave and rise to walk in newness of life, Romans 6, 3 and 4.